can you make it so that nobody likes Disney? Round of applause for Disney. They have done it again. Really, oh, they know what their audience wants. It's Mickey Mouse about to lose his house. It seems woke Disney fairy tales equal low ticket sales. Analysts familiar with Disney and Hollywood crunched the numbers yesterday. And thanks to the last eight big studio releases from Disney, they have lost almost $900 million. Most people cannot afford family movie tickets even for a night. It's gotten so bad, Cruel DeVille is selling dogs at Chipotle. Pocahontas had to open a casino. All the time and the money and the energy that they have been spending to prove that they are progressive and that they're so anti-racist, well, it may have come back to bite them in the ass. Have you had the opportunity to go see Oppenheimer yet? No, not yet. Okay. Uh, now, I, I, I know you're not a real big movie theater guy these days, and, and I understand that. I mean, the, the, and as much as they talk about needing to see Oppenheimer in IMAX, I, I, other than the being able to say that, yes, I've seen Florence Pugh's nipples in, in IMAX, um, I didn't really see the need for, for that. This the, it, It's an excellent, excellent movie, but not the visual dynamic that... I think really needed the IMAX treatment for lack of a better term. <laughs> once again, I will once again reiterate though, I can now go through life saying that I have seen Florence Pugh's nipples in IMAX though. That that was worth it right there. You know, I I have not uh seen Florence Pugh's nipples uh in IMAX and I I am lacking for it. My um, my life is bereft of Florence Pugh nipples and that is a sad <laughs> It is a sad state of affairs. I am I am unhappy about that. But it but at the same time it is without question an excellently told story. I really think that we're going to as as time and history goes on that along with names like Spielberg and and stuff like that the Christopher Nolan is really going to be known as one of the best visual storytellers of our time. Uh and uh, yeah, I can't really disagree with that. And ha so have you ever been to one of those movies that as the movie comes to an end and comes to a close, you say to yourself, I don't know if it's going to win it or not, but this is definitely Academy Award material. This is one of the nominations. It's got to be. I have. Uh, I have. Uh, there were there were several that that struck me as like, wow, this is poignant. And this is like uh, we're going to be hearing about this for quite some time. The first one that I ever saw that I knew at the time I watched it, it occurred to me that this is it, was Schindler's List. Yes. Like, yes. I looked at that and went, oh, no, this is this is happening. And once again, Spielberg. Yeah. Uh, the, so I was having that thought process as the credits were starting to come up, and I'm, and what suddenly occurred to me is – it's within the realm of human possibility that this movie is not going to be recognized for anything because it's historically accurate and therefore does not have much in the way of what we would call today representation. Yeah. And the fact that it's already getting beaten up for that. Well, I... I've heard that a lot where where uh I saw a a woman just leave it there uh complaining that a uh World War II movie era a different World War II era movie uh did not have enough women soldiers in it. 
And I'm like, you, ma'am, are an idiot. You know, like it, it's that's not a thing that you can do. <laughs> it's not it doesn't do that. You know that, right? Like they didn't have those frontline women out there yet. I mean, I, 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 but well, this 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 led my mind in in a slightly different direction than that. I mean, no, don't get me wrong. I agree with you wholeheartedly, and that's where I originally went. But I started hearing other things, and you, you know my love for statistics. And what I what I heard suddenly was that this is one of the highest grossing films, along with, of all things, Barbie, uh, since Avengers Endgame. Now that comes with a couple caveats. Uh, one is well, we've had 2020 since Avengers Endgame. Yeah. Uh, one Avengers Endgame, I I personally think took the gas out of most of the movie industry balloon. It it just it was so overwhelming, and so everyone was waiting for it so hard uh, that it first off it damn near killed the Marvel franchise because there's nothing like it, there's no nobody's interested in the the other stories right now. They just aren't. Like, look at the other stories, and you're just I, like, eh, you know, that's got, nice, I, but eh. I've got other theories, and it's going to go into this conversation with that, too. But <laughs> but, but the other thing about it is it happened at such a time as the entire dynamic shift of what movie entertainment was about to be was was going to radically change during the pandemic. And then afterwards, it's never kind of recovered from that it's it's never gotten back to what it was so saying it's the best now is like uh you know saying oh yeah no we're world champions but the the actual people who would have been here instead of us all got sick well i'll throw you in a couple of other pieces of information and see if this works into to your argument as well which is by all accounts disney as a corporation is going bankrupt uh, there are rumors that Fox, um, Hulu, Disney, and Disney Plus are all on the sales block. Mm-hmm. There is rumors abound that George Lucas is trying to repurchase Lucasfilm. And there are rumors abound that Apple has put in a bit to buy the whole kit and caboodle. Mm-hmm. Uh, we are seeing these movie studios go bankrupt left and right and now they are suddenly in a point where they are allowing well not allowing but they're allowing it to get to the point where uh not only are do we have a writer's strike but we have um the 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 actors guild striking uh and the main issue there is the fact that they can't agree whether or not we're going to need writers and actors anymore with the uh influence of ai so my question that comes down to, and this is really what this goes, it comes to be about, is can the movie industry recover and get its head out of its ass between whether you want to call it uh, woke culture, judging movies, uh, not being able to judge movies on their time period they came out, on their representation, on their level of entertainment, uh, to how we treat the audience, how we treat the people involved in making the movies. Can we find a way out of this before the movie business is defunct? 
You know, it's funny. You asked me that. You told me that this was going to be our our uh, topic of of discussion several days ago, and I don't have a great answer for whether this is going to happen or not. I have thoughts, but I I don't know. Be, I guess be, is the the real the real answer, but. But let me expand on that just a touch. Well, let, 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 let me give me two more seconds because yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I'm I'm not just talking about woke, and we could do a whole podcast on that. Several, I, yeah. I'm talking about even what you brought up, which is, you know, the the business has changed since um since 2020, since COVID. Uh, are they? Can they come up with something? Can they, okay, now here comes the question better put. Can they recognize enough of what will bring an audience back to the movie theater before it's too late? Okay, now that I actually have an answer for. And the answer is yes, but they, they can't do it with the management and leadership that they currently are beholden to in the 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 system that that currently exists and let me explain what i mean by or what i mean by when i say that right now there is a a strong undercurrent to for dei right and that uh whatever narrative that you're pushing it needs to be a couple of things right it needs to be these things first not the story not the characters not the writer or the author or, or the, the whatever it is is original intent to tell that story. It has to include uh, – Disney's a perfect example. You brought them up. You know, they were uh, – it has to be uh, a, a minority of color. It has to be these things. We can't say Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. We have to say seven Snow White and the Seven Magical Creatures. And they're, none of them are dwarves, by the way. Um, which – a dwarf, and, and and here's my problem, right? They're not looking at the material. If you look at the material, and this is where I'm going to get really geeky on you. Let's take seven, Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. And I don't know if you've been following any of the the whole rigmarole that's been going or kerfuffle that's been going on with that. But actually, that one I didn't know about. the The main one that I that I know about is um, Ariel from. Um, Oh yeah, they uh, they race swapped her. Yeah. They, they they race swapped her. Now the worst part about it is is that I took the argument in a slightly different direction. Everybody wanted to sit there and go, you can't make the mermaid black. Now that I don't care about. I don't yeah, care the fact the fact that yeah, the, all right, the, whatever. The story doesn't work, and it doesn't work because the mermaid is black. It has to do with the once again we're going back to even what we said about Oppenheimer. It has to do with the time period. The time period, she pops out of the ocean and wants to marry the prince. No one's going to care that she was a fish. They are going to care that she was black. Yeah. <laughs> now, is that wrong? Yes, it is. You can even address the fact that it's wrong. But the fact that you're not even going to acknowledge the fact that that would be an issue at that time period makes it, it just kills the suspension of disbelief. For me, uh, what got me is is like... Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs, they're, when Disney looks at that and they go, oh, we can't say dwarf. That's, uh, no. Actually, I, I've, I cannot remember which comedian did it, and it's been like decades since they did it. I still cannot forget the person who wanted to do the whole swap on that one and call it Pitch Black and the Seven Big Honkies. 
<laughs> I, I do know that that is, uh, shall we say, racially insensitive. Well, but at I, the same time, uh, at the time period that it was said, different time period. Well, my problem was being a Dungeons and Dragons aficionado. You are not up on your magical creatures. Okay. Dwarf is not referring to their punitive size. Okay. It is referring to their race. They are a race, a magical race of beings called dwarves that are rock dwellers and, and miners by trade and nature and culture. The, it's like saying, like, if you go into The Hobbit or Lord of the Rings, you know, oh, the little people. No, they weren't little people. They were dwarves, okay? Bearded, axe-wielding, mining dwarves, okay? In, in, in fact, if you go, if I mean, I didn't even think about it till you put it this way. In Tolkien, calling them little people was offensive. Was offensive. You know, no, no, we're hobbits. No, 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 we're dwarves. Right. <laughs> This was a matter of racial pride and cultural pride for them. This was what they are. It's like calling an elf a, a, a pointy-eared guy. Like, that's not what he is. He's a freaking elf. Address <laughs> all, him as such. I'm all ears, Spock. <laughs> I mean, that's like you're you're missing the point. You're you're trying to drive this DEI narrative into a place where it actually really literally doesn't fit. This is a race of beings called dwarves. Just like Bambi's a deer, right? Like it's that's that's what they are. They can be played by little people or uh dwarves, midgets, whatever you want to call them, whatever is acceptable to you. They can be played by those people, but that's not what they are. They're not little people playing little people. They're little people playing a race called dwarves. That's that's different. And they're missing they're missing that part of the story because they don't actually see it because they don't actually care. Right? They don't actually care about the story. What they're doing is is putting this narrative in. And I think uh, all that to say, I think what's happening now is you're starting to see the pendulum stop swinging that in that direction so much and people are just tired they're just tired of seeing their stories corrupted or or changed in a way like you can change a story but you can't change it in a way nobody wants to see because nobody's going to want to hear that story i'll give you i'll give you another example on the reverse end of the spectrum even with disney okay came out over the pandemic it was cruella okay now if anyone who knows me and who's listened to my uh, spew on dog violence uh, in any story that you've ever heard in my entire life, you'll know that uh, I can't even watch Game of Thrones uh, for some of it because they kill the wolves, right? You kill a dog, you hurt a dog, I will John Wick you. Okay? Actually, that is the proper response for that. Actually, I was watching a movie the other day in which um... – uh, I was thinking to myself, Sean would love this. I'll recommend it to Sean. It's very John Wicky until the main character accidentally kills his dog. And I went, nope, 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 nope. Sean's not going to nope. watch this. Sean's not going to watch this. Now, I was not interested in watching a movie about a puppy killer. Right. And the girls came back after they watched it in the theater during the pandemic. And they were like, this was a great movie. I'm like, am I going to like it? They're like, Dad, I promise you dogs are treated well. 
and you're going to like the movie about Cruella. I watched it. It's probably one of the best live-action Disney movies I have ever seen. It's wonderful. A wonderful movie. But they took and they changed. But this is a fine example of them changing the story and and doing kind of a quote-unquote prequel where it was freaking amazing. It really was. It was probably one of the best Disney live-action classic storytelling uh, jaunts that they've ever done. But it was about the story, not necessarily about their inclusion of whatever it was. And when they did include a character who was quite obviously openly gay, when it, which is Artie, he fit into the story so seamlessly. You're like, oh, no, that's it's freaking great. You know, he had some of the best lines in the movie. You know, I had it. Did you, though? You know, like he he did it perfectly. Okay, that was a fantastically done movie. I don't mind that. You can tell your story and integrate different items and different stuff, but they're losing Disney in particular is losing the momentum and losing the audience because they're not paying attention to what people will accept and watch and enjoy and believe. Well, and they're forgetting the fact that despite the fact that there are people up in arms about this, that, or the other on Twitter, that that is really a small portion of the population. That really, what it comes down to is, is that you have to look at the broader population and realize what they're willing to spend money on. And you normally, you not only are having this problem with uh, uh, filmmakers, you're also having this problem with advertisers. Oh yeah. Yeah. And I mean, not not recognizing the fact that you, that large of a percentage of your Bud Light drinkers might be turned off by that commercial. Oh, and see, and that's the part. Like Shannon now, and I have been having conversations about that a lot. Like now, now at the same time, if um, and I'm going to get myself in trouble here because I'm going to stereotype. But if it was first, for example, Stella Artois. That would have been a different story. I think that would have gone off quite well. Probably would have Bud, been fine. But for Bud Light, are, are, are we serious? Like They're <laughs> not paying attention. They're hiring these people who are not really qualified for the jobs that they are undertaking. And they are giving them tremendous power over huge brands. And they are not looking at what the consequence may be if they screw that up. Right? They're thinking, well, we can't possibly go wrong with inclusion. Yes, you can, as we've well, seen. Y- y- you have to ask yourself, who, who, who's your audience? Yeah, and that's and something it, Bud Light didn't do. Like, you lost I, – I, I know a lot of people who, who don't – who listen to this probably don't live in the South. I live in the South, okay? This is a bunch of very conservative – not necessarily right-wing, but very conservative – um, middle of the road, down home people, and they don't take well to being told they're idiots. They also don't take well to people screwing with things that they find are are signs of the South or or traditions of the South. And like it or not, there's a bunch of beer drinking conservatives in the South, and when you when you push them too hard, they just say, "I won't do that anymore." And I'm not going to. And if you think you know what stubbornness is, 
you have never talked to people in the South, okay? They haven't let go of wars that happened over 100 years ago down here in some parts of, of the South, <laughs> okay? This isn't, this isn't a group of people, forgive and forget. They don't do that. So when you go and, and tell them, oh, by the way, here's this beer, uh, here's this product that you've been drinking your whole life, basically, your whole adult life, basically, and we're going to change what that means. They're not going to react well. And I think that was – and this is what Shannon and I were talking about the other day. It's like, look, you're, you're starting to see the pendulum. At least it's not – it's maybe not swinging back the other way, but it has stopped swinging all the way to the left, I think, well, but see, in the, some areas. There was a period of time in which people knew their customer base. And when they wanted to open up into another customer base, realize that they were going to have to alter something, and it wasn't just your message. So, uh, for, for example – Bud Light. Bud Light has for its entire life been marketed primarily to middle class to lower middle class, rural, uh, conservative people. That That's what it's been marketed to. That's who their customer base is. If you want another customer base, you do something like I don't you don't even have to change the product, change the can. You now have. Trans beer, or I mean, and I know I'm being flippant and being a dick when I say it in that fashion, but you, if that's what you want, that's what you do. And the people who have done it right and screwed it up at the same time are people like Gillette. Gillette came out with a great razor for men's faces called the Sensor, and they said to themselves, "We want to be able to market this to women." What did they do? They made it pink. And now you have a pink sensor, which is the woman's sensor. Is there any difference between the razor? No. Okay. That's called positive marketing. Now, well, I know there's somebody who's going to somebody at this point is going to say, does pink have to be for women? No, it doesn't. What you don't want to do is then turn around to the people using your quote unquote male razor and tell them you're all dicks. Yeah. Turn around, take that great marketing and shoot yourself in the face with it and put an ad in the Super Bowl that shames men for being men and then shows them examples of crappy dads and shitty men and go we expect better from you welcome to gillette i i swear to you i have not nor will i ever buy another gillette product it's like fuck you you're a razor company you can kiss my ass now I also go online, and it's a guilty pleasure of mine, every you know couple of months and troll Gillette posts on Twitter. Uh, I do do that. <laughs> you know, just so they know we haven't uh, forgotten. I, I have somebody I do that to, too, but it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a person, not a, uh, a product. <laughs> I, I do that. You've heard me say this. I do that to David Hogg. It's, it's just like, come on. It, start, it started when I was working in the gun store and had to send him, hey, David, just hold another AR. <laughs> so freaking great. I also do it to Greta Thunberg. I know that's mean. But I waited until she was not a child. <laughs> right? Like when she was of age and legal, I, I waited to troll her. But now I control her, and it's perfectly fine. Uh, but I, it's, it, and it's not even her message that I mind. It's just the way she delivers it. Anyway. Uh, when you have these giant companies, uh, Target, they're getting their ass handed to them right now. Uh, not because they had pride 
products. They've had Pride products in their store for a long time. I have nobody has any problem with that. Okay, nobody is looking at that going whatever. It's it's fine. You know, you want to be gay, be gay. You want to be lesbian, be lesbian. You want to be bi, be bi. Nobody cares. It's all fine. We're all pretty much okay with that. It's when you start messing with children and and if you think and this is the part that I found hysterical, Target honestly now this is a store primarily where their their primary target audience is women. Okay? Target of all people underestimated the buying power and determination of moms. <laughs> In the United States. Do you know how stupid that is? They own and control 80% of the consumer buying power in the country. Is all wives and moms. And they went and pissed them off. Gave them the big bird. Now, what do you think is going to happen when, I don't know, 100,000 mothers look across the landscape to Target and go, I'm not shopping there anymore. What do you think's going to happen? I mean, talk about pissed off. Like, could you have picked a bigger group? I mean, you thought it was bad with beer, you know, with Bud Light and the, the drunk southern beer drinkers, okay? Pissing off women consumers, mothers, you, like, you obviously, to your point, didn't do your research and know that they own and control most of the consumer buying power in the country. What are you doing? Well, what are you here, thinking of? Here comes the other part about this. This is the part that makes me wonder whether or not these companies are going to figure this out before they go into business. There is a certain subset of people, and some of them may be listening to this, con to this podcast right now, who are thinking that the things that you and I have to say right now make us assholes. There is a certain You're not wrong. Oh no no I'm I didn't say that they were wrong I just said that that's where they're going with this. Ah. Um, there are those who are in these industries who are looking at the people who didn't buy Bud Light who stopped shopping at Target who didn't go see the Little Mermaid et cetera et cetera et cetera for these reasons and saying that these are just terrible people and we can do without them. Now they're going bankrupt. So the question is, is will they recognize that they are not a social justice organization, but they are, in fact, a business that in order to continue to do what they do, they still need to appeal to an audience who will pay for what they have. I think, again, under the current management, I don't think they're capable of doing that because it would take a great management pivot to do it. Disney is obviously not capable of it, right? The, the way Disney is run and by the people who are leading the charge at Disney, they are not capable of making that pivot. They can't. They, well, they don't know how to do anything else. I, I, I think what their their hope is is that – they can keep doing what they're doing and eventually the culture will change enough to the point where people will want to see what they're putting out. I think that this within the realm of human possibility, but I don't know if they're going to be alive long enough for that. Yeah. I don't think even if, even if it does, I don't think it's going to go fast enough to save them. I really don't. 
not with not with what they're putting out and the audience that they currently have. I don't think they have enough time, uh, especially if the board of directors gets a hold of them and goes, what is going? The spice must flow. OK, you have not produced a winner in nine movies. Let's fix that. Um, and we don't think we're going to be able to fix it with you. The the other part of it is people like Bob Iger are going to make $45 million on his contract no matter what happens. Win or lose, it doesn't yeah. matter. So if he can be seen to be a martyr, oh, my God, they fired Bob Iger, uh, Bob Iger, uh, Iger for being inclusive and and equitable and you know, he, he wanted to promote diversity. They fired him for that. He'll, he'll be up on his cross and he'll be cashing his check. He doesn't care. Do, There's do, no risk in it for him. Do you, do, do you think that the people, for example, above Bob Iger recognize that when Bob Iger comes to them and says, people just don't get our message. This is an important message. The, you know, th do you think those people will recognize that when Bob Iger is telling them why things won't sell, that he's full of shit? Oh, I think so. I mean, they've already told him if he makes if he loses on another movie, he's out. Yeah, but but at the same time, you're still going to have somebody who could, who's going to try to replace Bob Iger at the moment, who if they come to him and sit there and go, you know what, what we need. And once again, listener, forgive me, I'm going to be somewhat flippant here. What we need is lots of blood and titties. That's what mm -hmm. sells movies. Do you think if somebody's going to come to the money people and tell them that, you know, what we need, we, what we need to do is go back and watch the documentary on Canon Films. And we need to go back to that. Uh, do, do you think. And, and I'm obviously being flippant that I don't think it's really just, you know, titties and blood that's going to sell movies. But uh, recognizing that or even just somebody who comes in, for example, like Christopher Nolan and says, I want to tell a good story. I don't want to worry about whether or not it's inclusive unless it fits the story. If you've got a story about inclusion that you want me to tell and tell it well, I'll tell it. But what I really want to do is tell a good story, and if you let me do that, I will make you money. Do you think the people above Bob Iger are ready to hear that argument? I think they're ready to hear that argument. There are very few people who could pull that off, especially since they're going to have to auction off most of their business. They're going to they're going to lose thirty to fifty percent of their business. Best case, they're going to have to auction it off. Disney Plus will be the first to go followed by probably they'll bust out Star Wars because it's it's been a headache for them the entire time. Um, if they keep core Disney assets, uh, which or historic core India, in, uh, Disney assets, I, I mean, I heard Bob Iger, I'm sure so did you, uh, uh, just sitting in the chair out in the middle of a freaking field for some reason, um, talking about, like, everything's on the block. Everything's on the block. We are willing to sell anything. But if they keep some of those Disney assets, you could put somebody – the problem is there's very few people who could do that. Uh, Nolan might be one, but I don't think he's ready for the headache. But they could promote somebody, let's say, they could promote somebody like John Favreau to head of movie productions for Disney and say, well, look. Are they going to be smart enough to promote him to head of movie productions for Lucasfilm? No, they'll sell Lucasfilm. 
It's too okay. big an Will Lucas be willing to do that? Um, because and I'll, and I'll give you my opinion on Lucas just to, so that we can continue this argument. I personally think that Lucas's big failing is because it, as much as a of a visual movie maker as George Lucas is, George Lucas fails at the idea of telling a story and forgetting the fact that the movie has to tell a good story. Also, he's in his late seventies, early eighties now. Yeah. Uh, so, so if he, he doesn't buys have it, that time, I think he, I think he would delegate. Yeah. I think it, he's it's, if possible. he buys that back, is he smart enough to look at the fa- at what has done well for Star Wars since he left, and say, you know what, we've got these two guys, we've got Favreau and Filoni. Everything that's been successful, with one exception, has been done by these two guys, and the only exception I'll give is Rogue One. Um. So everything we've done that's been successful has been done by these two guys. Let's put them in charge of it. I think you could. I think he he would be willing to have those conversations just because you can look at the the uh, at Mandalorian and to a lesser extent, but still quite critically there, uh, Book of Boba Fett, and look at those and go, yeah, he can do Star Wars. He understands it. He he, you know, both Favreau and Filoni understand Star Wars. They understand what's going on. Now, I don't agree with all the stuff that Filoni says um, as far as what he thinks Star Wars should do. Um, but I do trust Favreau. But but, well. but but Filoni can at least tell a story because what Filoni he did can. with with, for example, Clone Wars, he took the story that George Lucas wanted to tell and made it something worth watching that's what irving kirshner did with empire strikes back that's with you know uh uh, lucas took a little bit more control over return of the jedi back again and next thing you know we've got ewoks instead of wookies um i don't know return of the jedi is still my favorite i I know i can't say that in most circles but of the original three (laughs) return of the jedi is still my favorite it's got speeder bikes it's got leia in a gold bikini it's got great space battles it's got murder bears it's got it's got everything it's got a little Uh, bit of everything uh, for everybody I, I think they went a little bit too cutesy with it. Other than that, it's a great flick. I enjoy I'm it. I'm fine with that. Yeah, I'm, um, I'm, I'm okay with it. But but there's a reason why Empire is my favorite. I, I liked the dark. I liked the everybody being scared of Vader. I, I, I liked that. Well, and, and again, you know, like Rogue One was, I think, the encapsulation of a perfect story. Uh, and, and, and a lot of people and, will argue with me on that. but Well, no, we've had the conversation on this one. I agree with you wholeheartedly on that one, that that was a perfect story with one exception. The beach. And it's, yeah. it, the beach, and that's the part that got forced into the end of the story. Yeah. And it's, uh, But I think, you know, to your point, I think that Lucas is smart enough to delegate now to somebody who, who has that vision. I don't think he'll get that chance because I think Apple's going to snap it up. Now, um, do, do, do you think that somewhere along the line, somebody like Kevin Feige has enough pull to turn around and go, OK, we've done it your way. We did it my way and we made billions. Now we've done it your way and we're losing billions. You, not you with Kathleen let... Kennedy in charge. No. no well, I, I meant as far as I, I mean, as far as Marvel's concerned. Oh, OK. Kevin, um, Kevin, Feige, Kevin Feige basically had control of everything, everything right up until Endgame and the and everything made billions billions the moment endgame ended and that storyline ended and they started with the dei stuff and started forcing that down his throat now all of a sudden the these movies aren't making any money do you think that kevin feige has the pull to turn around and look at bob Iger or whoever's replacement is and say i made you billions of dollars will you shut up and let me do this again not by himself no no i don't think anybody can now here's there are rays of hope though 
one, the Supreme Court has has smacked down affirmative action, which means it's only a matter of time before people start uh, uh, rolling in lawsuits against DEI, uh, which is basically uh, a different form of affirmative action. Um, you'll notice that a lot of companies started firing all their DEI staff uh, right after the affirmative action case closed because they know it's a matter of time. They know it's a matter of time. It's it's it, that's going to happen, but it's going to take a, a couple of years to really filter through. Right. Um, the the problem here is a changing again, a changing of the guard. So what you have is all the DEI has to be rooted out and and put into its proper uh, place, which is, you know, a, a a piece of HR that is mindful, but not tyrannical uh and it needs to be removed from content development basically uh for all intents and purposes and and if there's well, a flagrant actually actually i don't think it needs to be removed from content development i think oh, if you want to well, so. no okay well here here's my point now because i've got a caveat here i have no issue and i don't think the movie going people at large will have an issue with a story that is based on DEI if that's what they choose to go and see. What I think the problem is, is crowbarring DEI into stories that don't necessarily have anything to do with it. So I, I have no problem with DEI. It's, it's just a, how, how are you accomplishing it? Are you putting a DEI story up on, on the screen and saying, we're going to tell you a good story. It has to do with DEI, and if you'd like to come pay for it, we'd love to have you. Or are you going to say, here's this thing that you've loved and you've watched all your life, and we are going to shove the DEI so far up your ass that you're going to smell it. Uh, um, you, you pay us anyway, whether you like it or not. Okay, so here's uh, let me give you an example of that. The movie Hidden Figures. Okay. Excellent movie. Excellent movie. It was about the the equality of of these women who were every bit a, a, a part, an integral part of NASA. Uh, Dorothy, you know, Catherine Johnson and Dorothy it, Vaughn it, and Mary it, Jackson, all all were were these 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 titans of a figures that and, and and even bringing up the fact that they were not up until now recognized as they should have been. No. Okay, you want to tell that story? That's a fucking great story, and it needs to be told. The fact that John Glenn was scared to death to go out of uh, out of orbit without her personally checking the figures. The fact that she could do it in her head, and nobody else could. The fact that like NASA didn't move at the time at the time for this specific thing without her looking at the numbers. This is a tremendous story. Okay, you want to tell that story? I have no problem with that. It's a fantastic story. But that's not every story, right? It's not Snow White and the Seven Magical Creatures. Okay, those are fucking dwarves. Or, or it's not Oppenheimer. Right, Oppenheimer yeah. didn't like. It isn't a DEI story. It's a story that they were worried about blowing up the entire Earth because they had no one had ever calculated what this would actually do and how it would affect the human race. And they knew at that point, once they let the genie out of that particular box, it could never be put back in. Ever. And, and, and the thing is, is that somewhere along the line, you know that somebody has watched this and gone, 
why why couldn't you make von Neumann black or a woman? Right. You know. <laughs> Uh, go back because he uh, wasn't right because that's not who he was go back uh uh, uh 20 years i think it's like 20 years i can't remember exactly what it was russell crowe a beautiful mind right yeah um this is a man who had unbelievable mental issues he was also unbelievably brilliant and it was a story about how he, you know, I can't remember if it was true or not, but anyway, or it might have been based on something loosely true. I, I don't remember, but it was a great story, and and it brought to light mental well, illness. Well, uh, he he was um, uh, schizophrenic. Uh, whether or not he was seeing people who are not there is debatable. Um, he, he was, there was definitely a lot of issue going on there. They, they will admit. The, the filmmakers will admit that they did that because they had to translate what was going on with him into a visual medium. Now, right. the, the, the problems that he was having with numerology, seeing connections that weren't there, um, patterns that doesn't necessarily exist in, in that making him paranoid was 100 percent accurate. But whether or not that was um, whether or not he was he had a friend that, it, that in his own imagination for 40 years, uh, that may have been um, artistic license, for lack of a better term, because you had to explain what was going on with him visually. Right. But John Nash was a real guy. You oh, know, yeah. He, he was real. But I mean, like you're saying, like some of it is kind of, you know, they had to visualize it in some way. But like go go uh, uh, a little farther forward. Uh, oh, fuck. What was the name of that movie? The Imitation Game. Right. Yeah. With Benedict Cumberbatch. And um, you're like, why am I drawing oh, a blank on, on the name of the mathematician that was about um, uh, Alan Turing? Yes. I was trying yeah. to remember the name of the test. Yeah. And the only reason <laughs> I can remember the name of the test and I, I will admit I'm cheating is is Blade Runner because <laughs> it's a Turing test. <laughs> <laughs> that's the only reason. Like, that's the reason I remember. OK. Alan Turing was well, unbelievably well, he he was the father of modern computing. He was the one who basically figured out that you could take uh, the simplicity of ones and zeros and turn it into the complexity of a computer. Right. It's a fascinating story to tell. Not particularly a DEI story, but a fascinating story about the human condition. Well, like you it, can, but, it, but it actually could have been thought of as a DEI community because one of the things it was is he was persecuted heavily. To the point of being drugged to try to correct the mental illness of it for being a homosexual. Right. Exactly. And and here's here's I guess where a lot of those and I've I've been you know cherry picking some some movies here but but you can tell these stories about the human condition and the human experience that are outside the norms and tell them in such a way that they become impactful. And memorable and uh, valuable to others to to put through the lens of their own human experience. You can do that without shoehorning it into every movie you watch. You don't need it everywhere. You can tell delicate stories or, or stories with a delicate touch without shoehorning it in there. Right. Uh, Pixar well, used to be really good at this. Well, but um, but but it also comes back to even the very very simplistic concept that I that I was that, that I'm trying to illustrate to people listening here, which is even if you believe that this is an important thing in life, and I won't disagree with you with that, that 
unfortunately, what we've proven is is that people will not pay for it. Yeah. Yeah. They they just won't. They're tired. They're tired of it. You know, the the first movie I saw that was kind of a break from that after the pandemic, you know, post pandemic, post the world that changed was of all things Top Gun. Top Gun Maverick was just an old story. It was it was the same story, honestly, retold. <laughs> okay, well, let, let's be honest. It was a Tom Cruise vanity affair. Absolutely. And that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. Lots of people love those. In fact, lots of people to the tune of it was the most popular movie of the year. It's it, it, There's nothing wrong with that. It's I, fine. I really didn't want to enjoy the latest Mission Impossible movie, but I did. <laughs> I didn't want to. I went and saw it because I had nothing else better to do. I really didn't want to enjoy it, but I did. I watched Transformers, uh, the Beast one, yes. you know, the latest one, uh, where they did the G.I. Joe thing at the end. Yes. I got to tell you, I'm sorry. I enjoyed the movie. Oh, oh I, the, actually, the the way I put that is, is that the movie was exceedingly entertaining, but it was not what I would call a good movie. No, I would, did, movie. no question of the sun. I was entertained in that movie, but it was yeah. not a good movie. I, I didn't it, mind seeing it. I, I it, it wasn't. Yeah, it, it wasn't going to win any awards. Plot holes that you can drive a truck through. You <laughs> betcha. You know, like you can see the plot holes from space, quite literally. Uh, uh, there's, and, and even I still a, enjoyed it. And even an Iron Man ripoff. <laughs> I still enjoyed it. It was still fun. Yes. And I, I, I was like, okay, I don't mind this. This is fine. Uh, you, you don't have to beat people over the head with it. You really I, don't. I'll, I'll give you another movie that, that that the one that always comes to mind when I think of an absolutely terrible movie that I found exceedingly entertaining and will stop and watch every time I like come across it on streaming or something like that. It's like, uh, you know what? I'm going to watch that again. It is. And, and I'll, I'll admit it's not a good movie. It is very much a guilty pleasure of mine, but it is by God, one of the most entertaining things I've seen in a long time. And that is the rocks movie rampage <laughs> based on the video game with the big Absolutely. monster. Uh, oh, it, once again, it is a terrible movie. But I will admit, I have fun watching that movie. And that's okay. And that's, I think, this part of what people have lost. Like like Hollywood. I would say people, Hollywood. It's part of what Hollywood had lost. They lost the quirky independent movies and the comedies and the, and well, the ones they, that are just fun. See, the quirky independent movies, I, I to some extent understand because we're getting that on television now. You're getting that for what you're already paying for a streaming service on television. And I'll give you the example of that. Uh, have you watched it? And because it is right up your alley as far as not, you not liking sports, but liking sports movies. Have you watched the movie Air yes. on Amazon? Yes, I have. Excellent movie. Great movie. Now, I would. there's no way in hell I would have paid to go see that in a theater. Not even a little bit. But at the same time, watching that on television is an excellent, excellent excellent movie and and you're just like okay i see how that happened and it had like world-class caliber talent in it oh yeah right but you're, you're watching it and there's no action none right 
You're, there's no action. It's all about how business works and how marketing to those people works. You know, they're just shoes until my son steps in them. You but know, even I, then, it, 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 but, but I, I guess the best way to put it is that actually, now that I'm thinking about it, goes even a little bit more into our conversation. What you saw then was somebody who recognized his audience. Not right. only recognized his audience as far as who he was trying to sell shoes to as far as, you know, you, me, and everybody else in the world as far as the actual end consumer, but also recognized his audience as far as the person he was trying to sell his ideas to, i.e. Michael Jordan and his family. Right. Like, look, I know who he is. Nobody's figured it out yet. I know who he is. I'm telling you, or, this or, will work. Or even just the fact of... um you know, everybody wants to lump your son in as just another guy. I'm offering you an opportunity to make your son the guy. Yeah, I know he's not. He can be more, right? Yeah. There's, there's a, a – and you look at that and you're like, wow, that's a great story. You know, largely because it was uh, – there was a lot of truth in it and, and, and also because it's how, how things work, right? And And – Watching that, uh, like uh, some of my favorite sports movies have nothing to do with the actual sport, right? Draft Day, one of my favorites. You know, like I, I watch that uh, all the time, you know. Uh, well, see, Draft Day, once again, was just about people. Right. Uh, Moneyball. Every, everything with Draft Day had to do with the personalities involved. Well, you know? and it also had to do with, like, how to make how business works which is all comes with, down to personalities with involved. these person yeah well with these personalities right like how you move business with the personalities of the 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 pieces that you have on the board and there are some people who are really good at it and some people who are kind of eh. and um, which one are you moneyball was all about even then goes into what we're talking about here looking at the numbers and accepting them for what they are you know, like he cut through all the personalities. It was, in fact, the exact reverse of draft day. I don't, I don't care about the personalities. I don't care that he's a superstar. I want the last bit of baseball you have because that works for my numbers and what we're trying to do here. Can you do that? But Can that you even, do that? But, but once again, what we're saying is, is that that these Hollywood executives can't do that. They can't, they can't. look at that. They they can't seem to look at something and say. Um, I don't care about all the personality, all of the politics, all of this. Quite frankly, I need I need something that's going to make money. Because they don't. And, 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 he, and here comes the, the, the kick to this, which is the part that everybody who will now sit there around and go, oh, I guess it's all about the money. The answer to that is yes. And the answer to that why it's yes is because that money will then give you the capability to turn around and do those things that you find important. And what's what's happened, in my personal opinion, is they've they've gotten so into their own way of doing things in Hollywood and convinced of their own moral and ethical superiority that they cannot be convinced to do it another way. And because of that inability to pivot, I believe strongly that they in their current formats will fail they will they'll fail just like uh linear television 
is was unable to pivot because of what it is, right? It 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 can't pivot. It doesn't have the ability to because the entire system was set up on a single premise, and once that premise is no longer true, they cannot do anything else with it. It's still around, but it's dead. Hollywood will be the same way, I think, uh, because I don't think they have the ability to pivot. I just don't. They Their entire system is set up on a certain methodology, and if you deviate it from it, from it even a little bit, they cannot pivot at all. So do you think the movie theater experience dies? I don't. Uh, I, I think that that there's a viable alternative to that. And let me give you an example. Um, traditional book selling. Okay, traditional publishing. Is traditional publishing dead? Ooh, a little bit. Right? There's There's... But you do still have people who want a physical book. There are f- people who want a physical book, and physical books aren't dead. It's just that they're n- it's the process is different because you can self-publish now. There's no gatekeeper because the old system wasn't fast enough to keep up with how the industry was going to change. And because of that, you you have you still have books. But you get books from publishers you've never heard of. Why is that? Well, because they published it themselves. Does it make the work any less good? No. It just makes it different. And I think that's what you're going to see with movies. You're going to see, instead of coming from three or four different studios, and that's all you get, or five or six different studios, you're going to see 100 studios. All equally viable uh, are they going to well, have this the power of of the effects and and stuff that these blockbusters do currently? Not in the first couple of years, but eventually, sure. Well, that's that's part of what AI is going to do for some of them. Yeah, that's kind of what I'm thinking. Quite honestly, they're going to make up what used to took uh, what used to take, and this is what they're fighting, right? They're fighting the technology, right? Movies forever was like steel. You know, you wouldn't steal your friend's book. You wouldn't steal your friend's car, but you'll steal a movie. You know, like the intellectual property thing. I totally get it. Uh, but they're going to just erase that whole thing and just generate a lot of these movies with AI, AI actresses, AI actors. Um, it's got the entire porn industry shaking in their boots because this could go away. Porn reel. Well, you, you know, the, the most I'm, popular, one I'm of the most popular Instagram stars in the world. We covered this story the other day on the show. Uh, Mila Sophia, not real, <laughs> right? Well, uh, well, once again, I also agree agree that I'm old. Yeah, and we are the minority, quite honestly. Um, so, welcome to the new world, and the world, the, the the Hollywood, I don't think will change fast enough. Will that that curtail and, and make the movie experience go away? No, I don't think so. Will it change movies? Absolutely. And I don't think I kind of agree with you. I don't think to, uh, to kind of round this back around. I don't think studios like Disney will be able to change fast enough, far enough, far enough, fast enough to make a difference. They will be dramatically reduced if they still exist in 10 years, if they are not careful, for sure, because they'll have to sell off so many of their assets to stay solvent in this time of change. Uh, and they are going to have to change because, again, roll that back around to mothers are not going to buy their product. 
people are not going to go to their parks. Um, the masses are not going to go to their movies if they are unhappy with the product. And right now, that's what they're telling Disney. We are unhappy with your product. Well, uh, and here's my little piece of hope. And actually, it does go into the, the strikes. Um, if you, I mean, you're, you're aware of how long it takes for, obviously, a movie from inception to the screen to get made. Oh, quite so, yeah. Years. So it does make it difficult. It's kind of like the Titanic trying to avoid the iceberg. You know, it, knew, it saw it coming, but it's a little bit too slow. Well, when all of your movies... Are have been in, that are about to be released have been in the pipeline for years. You don't have the ability just to up and change them. You can't. You can try. We've seen people try. Um, we saw the Flash. We saw Green Lantern. We saw the original, uh, one of the Fantastic Four movies where people tried to change them at yeah, the end. Yeah, they just kind of grit their teeth, close their eyes, and go, "Oh, this is gonna hurt." Yeah. <laughs> um, what this may give everybody an opportunity to do is to take a step back. Now that everything has had to be halted and stopped and take a breath and look around. Once again, we come back to my question, are they capable of doing it? But that being said, we now at least have the opportunity for some people to look around and go, what we've been doing hasn't working. We can blame it on the pandemic if we want, but that's not going to solve the problem. Yeah, when you keep producing content, that people object to or don't want to see as a movie studio. Well, but, but even this then, is a problem. I, but even then I, I would, I would throw object to off the top, off the thing you, because people are objecting to Oppenheimer yet. They're still paying to go see it. Okay. Well, when I say object, I mean with their dollars, Yes. you know, when, when they refuse to go see it because they're just not in the mood or they're just like, Ugh, you have a problem. Right. And you're right. The pipeline is like two years long. Right. So they have even if they stop today, they have two years of pipeline. But even then, looking at, for example, your Snow White thing, some right now, right now, they can still look around and go, you know, we've got to get ourselves some dwarves. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And they're not now, going to. They're not yeah. going to. But once again, there's that opportunity now to do that, that with things having the ball rolling the way it was before, you couldn't have done. Now you could. And because we yeah. have that all stoppage of everything. The question is, are there any of these people? Now, I'm, I, I'm, we're basically in agreement that Disney isn't. The question is, is anybody else smart enough to figure that out? I don't know. Because it's. It's a strange thing, right? Because you have to be, you know, in their minds, they have to be careful about what they put out because, oh, my gosh, the the vocal minorities on either side, left or right, uh, will just scream blue bloody murder. And it'll look to them like like everyone hates it. But well, the, the other thing is, is, is one of the, the the other highest grossing movie out there right now is. Um, the one uh, about uh, the guy uh, uh, fighting um, child traffickers. Sound of Freedom. Yeah. Sound of Freedom, yes. Which they shelved for like four years. But but once again, you've got this movie that the pundits, the evaluators, the critics, and everybody under the sun is telling the people up at the top that this movie is terrible, it's objectionable, and it's not going to make any money. And yet, that's where the dollars are coming in. Yeah, it's number four, uh, and it's been released uh, it, for four weeks. 
and so what I keep going back to, and I've, I've asked this question through several times throughout this entire podcast, is, is anybody there smart enough to look around and go, this is where the money is. And if we don't have the money, then we can't do the ones we really want to do. Yes, I think people are, but it's not the current studios. It's not the top studios. It's not. I, I don't think they can move and, and they, they can't pivot that quickly. So, yes, I think there are, but they're all going to be people you've never heard of. Uh, if you take the top five movies out today, Barbie is number one. It released this uh, two weeks ago or something like that. Anyway, uh, yeah. it released a couple of weeks ago. Uh, it has made $351 million globally. Okay. Yep. Uh, your next step under that is Oppenheimer. It has made $174 million total. Okay. Um, your next is a movie that is brand new out this week. Okay. As this is recorded, actually, I'll, I'll have this out later today. Uh, or actually I can't say that because Jake <laughs> is doing the editing. I keep thinking this is, uh, 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 uh likely out tomorrow. Yeah. So as this is recorded, Haunted Mansion from Walt Disney Studios, uh, released, I think Thursday and, uh, it has made. Do you happen to know the numbers? Uh, it's got to, it, it can't be that high because I didn't even know it was released. Yeah. Haunted Mansion released this week. It is brand new on the scene. It was beat both by Barbie and Oppenheimer. It has made $24 million globally. Now, it's not it's not even going to make its money back. No, it's not. It's going to be another failure. It is. It's it's going to be another failure. And because it has, this is going to be an issue, right? They're going to start seeing that mm, that's really not working. I I I mistake. Uh, I misspoke. Worldwide, it made thirty three million. Domestically, it made twenty four million. International, it made nine nine. Okay. This is a movie that I guarantee you cost over $100 million to make. They are going to be lucky if they make half of it back, and that's not counting marketing. So this is this is a loss, okay? This is a big L for them again, right? Um, you're, you're, so, yes, to answer your, uh, your question, yes, I do believe that there are going to be people who figure this out and make it happen. The problem is... Uh, I don't think it's going to be any of these these people. Number four, Sound of Freedom, you know, $148 million. Number five, again, with $139 million, Mission Impossible, Dead Reckoning, right? Um, Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny, that should have been a half-billion-dollar movie, $167 million, barely made its money back. Elemental, Walt Disney Studios, $144 million. I- I, I will say that the Indiana Jones movie was at least better than the last one. That's that's not that's not a very high bar to jump. It's like saying Ricketts is better than cancer, but sure, okay. <laughs> uh, hey, sorry, they killed really, off Shia LaBeouf, thankfully. Yeah, I really wasn't a fan all, of the Crystal all, Skull. All, off screen, they thankfully killed him off. They didn't have to bring him back to kill him off. He just died in the Korean War. <laughs> hey, here's one for you, okay? Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. Okay. Now, this movie's been out for a little while. It's Columbia Pictures and stuff. Worldwide, $682 million. You are almost at three-quarters 
of a billion dollars. Well, see, th- this is why I still have hope for Marvel, and I'm hoping that somewhere along the line somebody gets their head out of their ass. Because that proves that the whole superhero thing isn't as dead as they think it is. I don't think it is. I just think I, Avengers I, is dead. I, well, know? And their expanded EU universe is dead. The Spider-Man and, Across the Spider-Verse was a brilliant breath of fresh air. Actually, they've they've actually have two movies coming up in the in the pipeline that are the ones that have to do well if they're going to move forward. They're the ones that can get people to buy back in. And that's and that's two movies. One of them is a real big risk because nobody's done it well yet. And that's Fantastic Four. God, that's almost kryptonite, though. If God, can, that's if, so hard to do. If they can make a good Fantastic Four movie in, see, because the Fantastic Four, unlike as well as the next one I'm about to say, um, has the capability of allowing them to build a universe around it as well as to give them something like the Avengers to center on again. Uh, not only that, Here's, it, it, you also have the ability to have a character, so once again, like a Tony Stark, that you can center things around again, and that being Mr. Fantastic. If they do it right. Here's how I know it's possible. Okay. And I'll give you one word. Here's how I know it's possible. Hulk. Oh, yeah. They screwed up Hulk two, three times before they found the magic formula of Mark Ruffalo. Yeah. Who was likable, right? You had to like Bruce Banner and feel sorry that this was happening to him. Right. That's the trick of Hulk. It's not it's not the green guy, okay? The story's really not about him, believe it or not. It's about Banner and how sorry you feel that this is happening to him and how he deals with being the Hulk. That was the first time, in my personal opinion, since Lou Ferrigno, they ever really got that right. They 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 finally got a guy who's just like sympathetic, <laughs> but you like it. Well, and you bought into it the moment that the guy looked at him after he'd fallen through the ceiling in Avengers and looked at him and went, son, you got problems. (laughs) I know. Do you have pants? Yeah, there you go. (laughs) When when he explains to you, I got low. I put a bullet in my mouth. The other guy spit it out. I don't want to be here. I don't want to be doing this. I don't want to be a scary rage monster. I don't, this isn't what I wanted, but I can't stop it either. I can't end it. I I also like the fact that by that point in time, he'd also start to develop a sense of humor about it. Yeah, he's like, (laughs) if you think scaring me is going to do it. Or or even, is this a submarine? Yeah, me underwater in a pressurized tube. That's a great idea. It's fantastic. This is so much worse. Uh, This is (laughs) Right? No, no, aircraft carrier the fly. This is so much worse. Um, like when he met Natasha, and and he's like, and he slammed his hands on the table, and he's like, and she pulled a gun on him because she, and you could see, and they did a fantastic job. I don't know what they did, but they they you could watch her eyes dilate and her start breathing heavy, like she was really literally scared. And he's like, I'm sorry, that's that was that was not funny. Uh, I just wanted to see what she'd do, you know, because. Because he realizes, like, you don't know what it will take to set me off. You know, like, you have no idea how much control I actually have. Because I've had to live with this. You're interacting with me, but I live this way. Like, that was the first time they'd ever really got Hulk right. 
you could do that with with Fantastic Four. It, yeah. But it, uh, the problem is they go so corny, and they got Chris Evans to do Johnny Flame back in the day. Actually, uh, he was the only person who actually fit his role. And th- that's what I was going to say. That was the only one that got right. Yeah. You're you're hot. Thank you. So are you. You know, like they they got him right. And and it was wasted because the other three were useless. Right. Oh, like yeah. Jessica Alba is a great actress, but not right uh, for that I, role. Actually, I, I, you give her more credit than I do. She's not a great actress. She's got a great ass, but she's not a great she's, actress. <laughs> <laughs> she's been in some stuff I appreciate. Um, um, but I will grant you. She was also in Spy Kids, and no, um, they, they they missed on all. Like you have to hit every one of them right, and that's the challenge of it. You can't build it like Avengers, where you like this is Iron Man, Iron Man works. This is Captain America, Captain America works. This is you know you have you can't build it like that with Fantastic Four. Well, the, the, then that's even going to be the bigger problem for the next one that they have to get right. The mutants, right. the X Men. Oh, man. And we could do an entire series of casts on X-Men because X-Men is near and dear to my heart. It is it is the, the way well, I was indoctrinated uh, into or introduced into being a super huge Marvel fan was X-Men. Well, there, there's actually going to be a litmus test to see whether or not they're capable of even doing it right. And that's going to be Deadpool 3. If they have the ability to let Deadpool 3 be what Deadpool 1 and Deadpool 2 were, along with adding in um, uh, Hugh Jackman as Wolverine for one last time, if they can let that be what it is without stomping on it, then then you know they can do it. If they screw that up, that formula that, are, that already works, if they screw it up, it, they're done. I don't disagree with that. Um, the good but news is you'll know uh, whether or not they're capable of it if, if Deadpool works. The good news is, is on that side of it, you have Ryan Reynolds, who can do that. Yes. Um, I, he's I, got enough. He's got enough star power at this point to drag it along. He can. And honestly, um, with the addition of of uh, Negasonic Teenage Warhead. And Colossus, who were phenomenal choices. Like, I, if you'd have told me those three worked <laughs> in the first Deadpool, I probably wouldn't have believed you. Well, they're they're wonderful foils for him. You've got Colossus, who's the who's acting out as the you know consummate superhero, and you've got Negasonic Teenage Warhead, who is the complete opposite direction. That is just a teenager, right? Um, and you've got uh, Wade in the middle, just being a shit the whole time. Solid Not silence li- or mean comment? Which one are we going to You got me in a box here. I knew it! Right? It's just, it's the interplay is so good. Uh, <laughs> or or even, in the, even in the next movie. <laughs> you, you, you obnoxious bigot. Hey, calm down there, Fox and Friends. I'm just sorry. I'm just amazed somebody would date you. <laughs> So good, Domino. That's not a. That's not a. The luck is not a superpower. Yes, it is. No, the, the, it's not. The one thing that they missed in Deadpool two was him talking to the audience. I just, I, I was Be, so like, but you have to do that. You have to do that level to build an ensemble in one movie. You have oh, yeah. to do that. 
Yeah. Marvel couldn't even do that with Infinity War. They had to start by introducing some characters and give them several movies at a time. Right. Like, here's one. Here's this guy. We're going to tell you about that guy. Now we're going to tell you about this guy. Now we're going to tell you about this guy. Now but we're see, going to do an Avengers but, movie. But see, that, that you don't. It's possible to do with both the Fantastic Four and the X-Men because those characters have always been together. The Avengers always was a team up of multiple different people who had their own stories. But that's the thing. Like, you're willing to accept, oh, I want to see more of this guy because you've already you already met him. You're right. The Fantastic Four all happen in the same instant. Right. And they're that's a lot of story to tell from one incident. You almost have to break it up to make it work right because they've not been able to do it in a single movie for any of the any of the other ensembles. The only way it's worked is if you do one character at a time. Uh, and as much as some of the other X-Men movies kind of flunked, they the, the way that they managed to keep moving forward was by centering on one character. Yeah, uh, it kind of didn't work. Uh, I don't know. Here, I, ha- I have thoughts on there. that. But yeah, here and there, I, I, I get what you're saying. And you're right. I just I don't think they've executed it well. The only one I thought was executed really, really well was the Wolverine stuff, and especially Logan, which was uh, well. Once again, Logan, Logan, they stopped and let you tell the violent story that Logan really needed, and who, why he was the way he was, right? And then finally, at the end of his life, that uh, and I thought it was beautiful that they did the. You know, the uh, the soothsayer who was like, you will end your death will be in a forest with your heart in your hands. Yeah. And and there he is in a forest holding her. Right. <laughs> right. Skewered in a forest with his holding her, telling her it was going to be OK. Um, I'm like, wow, that's storytelling, you know, uh, the, but you have to do that for an ensemble, even for an ensemble thing. You have to do that in order to to get the point across and i i don't know i with with fantastic four they have not been able to do it. i have hope because of hulk but they haven't really been able to do that yet with, well, it, with see, fantastic it, four well the character they went and got right in um fantastic four in the past was johnny storm yeah okay and that's but that's really not where the story is where the I story think I call him johnny needs... flame incorrectly by the way oh, that's well, anyway <laughs> flame on it, it's cool yeah um what you need to do to get that story correct is the relationship between Reed and Sue. And they have not gotten that correctly yet because they haven't had the right people playing Reed and no. Sue. No. Yeah. Um, no. Reed needs to be the absent minded professor who's a little bit of a dick. You know? Sue needs to be the uh, ultimate power mom who's willing to kick everyone's ass to protect her family. You know. <laughs> You're not going to get this because I don't think you ever watched the show. Um, the closest I saw them come to it working was actually in Venture Brothers cartoon where they had Mr. Impossible and uh, or Mr. Incredible or whatever they named him and and his wife, who was basically a takeoff of Fantastic Four. And Johnny Storm couldn't be exposed to air and, uh, and they had to keep him in a pressurized tube. Otherwise he, he screamed and ca- caught on fire. The rock monster was a big baby. 
uh, Mr. Incredible or Impossible or whatever he was, was just a huge dick who sucked on his pipe all the time. And Sue Storm was a sex crazed maniac who was who was in a a real, uh, I guess, codependent relationship with uh, Mr. Stretchy. And the you know you ha- happen upon them and you're like these people are a fucking mess. It worked, all right. Yeah, uh, it but, worked. But that's kind of where you need to go with this. Yeah, and that's my point. Like that, the parody was the closest thing I've ever seen to working of that story. And it it was it was laughable that they got it better than the movies. But anyway. Uh, yeah, that's, well, uh, so, that's Hollywood. Uh, <laughs> so, final answer: Does Hollywood go bankrupt? Classic Hollywood does. I think new Hollywood will emerge. But yes. Well, uh, as usual, we'd love to hear your responses. Uh, I don't know when necessarily we'll come back because if you've heard us on other podcasts, this podcast tend to uh, take a mental toll on Sean and I from time to time. Um, but hopefully we'll be back at some point with uh, some other discussion. If you think you have something to pique our interest, let us know. Uh, it is uh, gentlemenssoapbox at gmail.com. Uh, the link is in the show notes, and uh, we'd love to hear from you. Have a good weekend. There are rich teams, and there are poor teams. Then there's 50 feet of crap.